Before we begin today, I would, with deep respect, love to acknowledge the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation and acknowledge any elders past and present. Collective Potential Podcast is for people who want real conversations in real life. And I think that one of the conversations we have at hand today is pretty real for a lot of people, but it can be swept under the rug. Is this conversation about racism or is it about injustice? Or is today actually about empathy and what we can all do to understand each other? And if that is the conversation, we thought that um, why not bring somebody that I said to her straight out today that she's got a girl crush, I had a girl crush on her, because she is a strong female young leader. Uh, she is a feminist activist, an Indigenous activist, and she's been on every panel you could probably imagine in Australia at this point. Um, from FYA to AYCC, the list continues. Um, but today we bring in a pretty cool chick, as simple as that. One of Ryan's friends and Jeremy and I are yet to get to know her, but that's what this conversation is about. So thank you for joining us. Yo, what you're about to listen to is a real conversation with M, Jess and Ryan. Collective Potential. What? Keep it real every day. Don't give a shit what you say. No, actually, we do. We make this podcast for you. If you haven't noticed, we change the intro every week, and so we do get a giggle. Um, I'm not sure what our guest thinks of that, but on a scale of one to ten, you're oh, that, vibing it. That was so deadly. There we go. <laughs> deadly. For those listening at home who don't know, means like awesome and I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but good on you. You? It's Did meant, you to, be, it's meant to be cheap. It's meant to be cheap. Ladies so and gentlemen, talented. welcome to uh, Yuka Gori. Very cool to have you here, babe. You know, we um, have this thing with every uh, uh, episode that we start off with is to explain to everybody out there that this is about having vulnerable conversations because they create aha moments in our life. And so for me, the aha moment that I had in my life was I didn't. I wanted a lot of change in the world, in society, and in myself particularly, but I realised I couldn't do that without the help of other people. And when they started to help me both personally overcome some of the demons in my head, one of my greatest gifts is now creating connected conversations. And so that's why we're here having our aha moment, living it out. So I'd be curious to kick off before we get into the, the barrage of beautiful conversations we're going to have. What's an aha moment in your life? Oh, there are so many. But um, I think one of the most recent ones has been um, just, I don't know exactly when it was, I don't know when it happened, but I realised recently that I've stopped caring what I stopped caring about being really polite. Um, yeah, I don't, I can't say when exactly that happened, but it happened somewhat recently. Um, Brilliant. Just, yeah, not caring, just putting things out there and knowing that it, as long as I can back myself, um, like it's okay to say what you think. Yeah. Was there a trigger for you? Um, well, I think, I think it was actually last year I started a new job or I was like in negotiations or conversations about the new job and I I was specifically hired to kind of be honest about 
where this organisation was at uh, with how they were engaging Indigenous young people. And I said to the CEO at the time, um, I saw it as an opportunity to, like, he didn't know what I was like before, so I could just go in and be whoever, and I could give myself the permission to be whoever. So I said to him, I'm going to be honest, and I might not be popular, but, you know, that's just what will need to be done. I need to be honest about whatever. Um, so because that's all he knew me as and that's what I said I was going to do when I did it, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Cool. Um, what did you do? Oh, well, I the organisation I'm at now, um, yeah, kind of reviewed their Indigenous youth engagement um, and, yeah, sometimes doing things like that means having difficult conversations or even just in your ordinary life when you kind of have to call things out, when you stop caring about being polite about things or you give yourself the permission to be honest about something um, and you know that what you said was the truth, um, yeah, then it doesn't, I don't know, the, the anxiety that can come after just sort of goes away. That's it, great. Yeah, it's So you kind of like away. knock down the boundary of like, because in your own head, it's only, you're, you're yeah. only one that limits yourself to... Yeah. And giving yourself permissions the Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Giving yourself the permission, I think. Um, but also the opportunity when you meet someone new, they don't know what you're like before. So if you're as honest as you want to be, they're just like, oh, that's Nayuka. That's just what Nayuka's yeah, yeah. like. So yeah, which is the freedom you find when you travel because no one's yeah. got preconceptions of you. Yeah. It's never too, I think it's never too late to like change the person you are. Like we think we're stuck with the person we are, but there's no reason why. Like, oh, if Nayuka's wants to be that person tomorrow, there's nothing stopping me. Mm. You know, apart from like structural, oppression or whatever. Mm. But mm. anyway. That old chestnut. <laughs> that old chestnut. <laughs> but I do love that because I'm imagining with what we're about to get into tonight, this aha moment. Because some people, mine was years ago. That mm. was like I needed some serious change in my life and I couldn't do it on my own. Mm. And when people came at to my saviour, let alone just believed in me, it changed it. And that's why I'm here today. But yours is quite current, which I absolutely love, because obviously that's coming in handy with what you need to do at the moment. Can you give us a little context? What do you feel like is your um, is is it you need to do at the moment? Um, I think something I've identified in myself is that I'm fairly good at breaking big ideas into something that's digestible for everyday people without dumbing it down. Um, so these ideas might be political, such as most recently the call for a treaty. Um, mm. So taking this big political and historical idea and making it digestible for people in the 21st century. Um, like did, if anyone can check that out on YouTube, it's on the ABC, um, search your name and the late line. We'll put it on the show notes. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, but I'm... I, f I feel like because that's a skill of mine, there are other things in the world I care about. Um, I wonder how I can do that with other things that I do that I feel quite passionately passionately about, whether it's violence against black women. Um, yeah, whether it's other things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, awesome not for what the issues are, <laughs> but the place in your life that you're at. Because how old are you? I'm 25. 25. Mm. I am... Um, grew up in a youth organisation called REACH and from a very young age they told us that um, you can move mountains and create huge change and so I've grown up with a mindset of your age does not dictate what you're capable of and so even though I go 
awesome. You're only 25. I actually know that anybody's capable of doing greatness like that, especially mm. with an aha moment like that. Love it. I think I think I I I'm just b- want to be a supporter of anyone that ch- changes the language for a complicated issue. For example, like I think vegetarianism or veganism or something or just not eating animals is is proven in many ways to be the most inv- best way you can impact the environment for better. Um, but it's a complicated issue because there's so many dimensions to it because there's so many different food sources, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So those that can translate that kind of information on a real palatable, universal um, way, I admire. <laughs> so respect. It's like why why people like watching Cosmos. Um, What's Cosmos? Cosmos. Uh, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he basically can talk about the universe in a way that like someone that isn't a physicist can understand, and it's sort of. There's a skill in that. It's something Einstein said. If you can't explain um, something to a, I think it was a preschooler, mm. you shouldn't be talking about it. Mm. It's in but a Kurt Vonnegut book as well. Um, I think. Is it not Einstein? I might be getting my quotes wrong. Yeah. No, it, no, there's a character in a Kurt Vonnegut book who works in, he's like a nuclear scientist and he, he the character says, um, yeah, if you can't explain it to an eight-year-old, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. He might've got it from... Einstein. I think I just like take any quote that sounds kind of <laughs> 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 Einstein's name on like it. Like Einstein said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty legit. Anything I want to prove. I want to start fact checking you, right? Yeah, I feel like should we do that a bit. Hashtag <laughs> fact check this. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to right. do that now. I encourage you to do it at, uh, at home and put it in our Facebook comments and click the page. Hey, I just need to sit here and ask questions. He's, he's the fact checker. I just go, hmm, mm, sounds so smart. Sounds right. No, I'm sure mm. it is right. I'm going to look it up. Someone important. Someone important. Can I ask you, um, Nayuka, um, uh, a lot of people are scared of racism, of, of being racist. It'll be seen as being racist. Now, um, for those of you out there who don't know what I look like, I'm half Polynesian, half um, white Australian. And I'm really curious as the years have gone on, why do people so scared of it? Um, they don't want, you know, like... Let's be honest, when we were about to do the Welcome to Country, we were unsure about if we... Sorry, there you go. <laughs> Acknowledgement of country. So we're going to get it wrong. We have to be a bit on edge. And like that's real for me that I keep watching people be a bit nervous and scared. What do you say to, one, why they're doing it? And then, two, what we do about it? I think it comes... Um, uh, I know you wanted to touch on this and I'm not just doing it because that's where you wanted to take the conversation, but... I do think it comes from, it does come from guilt and shame because I think for the most part, um, if you're living in this country as a white person, you have privilege. Um, Your skin colour doesn't stop you from getting a job. Um, It doesn't stop you from getting a taxi. It doesn't stop you from getting a house. And so when you're actually confronted with a moment where you're feeling uncomfortable, um, it makes sense that you don't want to go there because people like to feel comfortable. Mm. Um, I think that's where it comes from. Mm. And so when people are in that uncomfortable position, because I really love like having this conversation. It's so interesting. Be- it is, isn't it? Do you know that place where you get uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I feel like I, I, I acknowledge what you're saying completely because I can see it. And I think if you can break down the 
um, I'm a bit of a renegade for it. I, feel, I, I trust my intention. So I, like I, I believe in a union of all our people. I don't really look at things for other than you're a clump of atoms. <laughs> um, so I think that, sorry, I'm going to challenge you on that one and I hope, do I have the permission? Yeah, go, oh, absolutely. Go for it. Mate, if we don't have these conversations, I'd be like, I am bored and we're leaving yeah. this room. I'm get, yes, cool. Got the permission to challenge. Uh-oh. It's the <laughs> no. I feel like where you're going is like the colorblind argument that we're all the same. We all bleed red. That is, that's. I totally get the intention behind that because we want to believe in equality. Um, and if we lived in a world where that was a reality, then super good. But we don't live in that world. No, absolutely. And not. a lot of black and brown people's oppression has been based on differences and that difference is also it's resulted in really bad stuff but also it's something that I celebrate Mm. so when you say we're all the same or that whatever actually you're dismissing my Aboriginality and you're dismissing my my difference which is and dismissing my own as well yeah which is probably not your intention to hurt me but when people do that that is the result because actually my Aboriginality makes me really special yeah. So, yeah. I suppose, yeah. Well, I suppose I, I'm talking about my reality. I'm not talking about anyone else's because that's all I can really talk about. Um, but my reality is that um, I trust my intention with where I'm coming from. Yeah, you, you're right. I might not have the um, understanding of the cultural background in the history and stuff, but nor do I of my own. And I'm not really interested in it. So um, it is worth me being sensitive to that because everyone has their own difference in values. But what I do like about what you're saying is that um, is which I want to say is I like how you break down the boundary of um, ed- the education process because I feel like the, the, unco- the uncomfortableness is a big hurdle in um, spreading the acceptance of it over more people. Um, so somehow allow and I think I think from both like to a, for you to be aware of that is great because then it means that you're you can see th- you can un- like anything in life you, it's great to be able to see where however people feel and so if you can understand that that's how they feel then um you know that's 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 to your power yeah i guess um it's the issue then lies in it's often the responsibility of then black and brown people to walk non-indigenous people through their uncomfortability and that's what i have a problem with now yeah um it's kind of you deal with the emotional labour of being oppressed and then you also have to deal with the emotional labour of walking other people through Absolutely. your oppression. which takes a great amount of enlightenment, but any change maker needs to have that own enlightenment, I find, to effectively cause change, in my personal opinion. From the, from the, effecti- from the, from the revolutionaries that have come and gone, the most effective ones have kind of found liberation from self. I think we just saw what happens roll out in front of us or listen to it there's an uncomfortableness that I observed in the two of you or even as you're listening to it but it's actually probably again I'm not trying to I know I was trying to smooth this over yeah, yeah. are you I'll feeling un- I fucking yeah. claim it Are you you're right that just happened I'm uncomfortable with you two being uncomfortable <laughs> which then made me uncomfortable yeah. awesome because I, you know what I just fucking loved though was that you could I never was educated that in actual fact, if you ever say we're all one to some people that can actually be, be, be aware that that would disregard my Aboriginality, the thing that makes me unique. Mm. 
And I think that sometimes that goes on too is how are you supposed to catch that if you're not clued in to observing that in another person? Mm. But at the same time, you know, as you're saying, Jez, my intention is never to harm, but it is to listen. Yes. To each other. And understand and understand where you come from. Like that's a great little education for me just then. Oh, is great. understanding where you know the pride in which you because from a personal standpoint, again, it doesn't really matter because it's just one opinion in the drop of ocean. But I actually love um, cultures that are native to each land around the world because I find like like the Aztecs and all these incredible humans that have come, they've, they live in such harmony and grace of the land um, and s with such high respect and honour. I wish our world, um, Western world, mainstream world, was living in, in coherence like they do. Um, and so I, I, I personally think we can learn a shitload from those teachings. Um, so I, it's, of course you take pride in it because you know it's, it's, it's wonderful. So what do you say to um, people who aren't maybe even a bit like Jez in that he believes in unity and, um, and people connected? You were saying earlier that um, off, off, air, off air that you come across something on, online mm. that you felt... Um, really challenged you. Can you share that with us? Yeah, no, was that was that almost? It was the exact same situation. Okay. So what had happened was, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, Please do it because the reason I'm asking these questions, and I'm just going to reiterate it is, yeah, if we're talking about racism and understanding empathy and how we interact, this conversation to me, in its minute subtleties of what ha occurs, is actually so healthy for people to listen to this conversation and go. Oh, now that I've been faced with that, what does my educated view think of that? And now that I've listened to Nayuka or Jeremy, is I actually think that there's a lot of power in that. So, mm. yeah, for people listening, it's actually hearing the examples and then making your own decision from them is not a conversation that always occurs. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, cut to Nayuka. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon. Here she is. What were you wearing? Um... Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> Something fab. You're I at home. Great. You're at home, right. <laughs> setting, I'm setting the scene. So I saw this Humans of New York post, and they can be problematic as well. The way that they tell poor people's stories and black people's stories can be problematic sometimes. Um, but they had this, like, story about how this um, – it's important for the sake of the story, white couple, um, how this dude proposed to his uh, partner – and it was just like really long-winded situation. Um, he like, they were meant to meet at his sister's joint. She rocked up there. He wasn't there. His sister hands her an envelope. I read this. Then she's, the sister's like, oh, you go to this other joint. So she rocks up there. He's not there. Gets another envelope. So on and so forth until like she does it four different times. At this point, I would have been like, tapped out. I'm <laughs> out. Naked. Um, not hope a hopeless this, romantic then. Hope this guy's paying for my petrol. Um, <laughs> I don't even drive. Hope he's paying for my Uber. Um, anyway, so, yeah, and at the end, like, they do finally meet, and it's the four – he's like, open up four envelopes, and it's, will you marry me? Um, you, know, you know, super cute, whatever, but, like, it was a really funny example of white culture, and I just – I shared the picture and the story and I just said, white people, 
Um, it was hilarious. You can all laugh. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm laughing. I'm laughing. All of my black and brown friends were like, "Lol," um, and a lot of people were like, "I hope this dickhead chipped in for petrol," um, type arguments. And then a friend, um, an old colleague, a friend made a very similar argument. Um, she was like, "Or just humans." And then another friend was like a little bit racist and a, it's not racist as a black woman. No, racism is systemic power. So power plus privilege as a black woman making fun of this like daggy love story. That's not racism. Um, but also, ah, so the differentiator is because it was power and privilege that would be seen as racism. But when you write about a daggy. Like being a minority yep. in a country where we're still being oppressed. Um, I don't think, I don't think me having a joke at but white culture is the, ex the same as the type of racism. Well, yeah. it's not racism. That's, that's, but that, that's to say that, that you'll believe in the paradigm that the, the, the lift we're on different playing fields. We absolutely are. Which which is true, yeah. But I personally feel like you can the only way you can change that paradigm is to not subscribe to it. Look, until you've experienced what I've experienced, if I need to make fun of white culture, dominant culture, the way that women make fun of men, the way that um, any of my queer friends make fun of straighty 180s, until you've experienced that, and I'm not saying you have it, I, I'm not familiar with your story. Um, I don't think it's up to anyone to say what I should do to survive. Yeah, it no, is it's a not. coping mechanism. Yeah. And there is so much about white culture that is actually very funny, like Birkenstocks. And <laughs> Would you not wear Birkenstocks? No. I thought about it. <laughs> But I had to pull myself back. Oh, come on, that's funny. Laugh. No. Guys, maybe this is why it's not funny because we're because because people if you're if you're so used to having privilege and it's poked at a little bit, it feels uncomfortable and you can't join in on the laughter. Ah, now that is I actually don't know what Birkenstocks are. Yeah, uh, Birkenstocks are like these sandal shoes that just, they're a little bit... Apparently very comfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Crocs or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crocs. Yeah, Crocs yeah, yeah, are yeah. white ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> white ass. Then I actually asked these guys um, before we were coming in here, I go, it'd be really interesting for you to have the conversation with yourself of what, how you feel when you feel like black people or brown people are being racist towards you. Mm, well, I, I mean, I've, everyone, I feel like everyone's feel... I mean, my girlfriend's black, so like I, yeah. I, I understand. Um, oh, mate, that's dangerous. <laughs> Sorry. Go, go, why? Am I No, I'm, I'm not saying it like I understand. Don't, don't. Anything <laughs> I'm saying, I'm just saying. What, what is it? You, you say your point. No, no, it's just really funny because a lot of people are like I'm not racist. I have like a black friend. It's just, it was so funny. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing. It's all okay. good. <laughs> well, what I'm, my intention with my action of words then is to say that, um. I, I just don't, I, I don't like boundaries. I, I, I don't like them. Um, so anytime I feel any kind of separation in our culture, it clangs with me because it, it feels like it's clashing with something innately in my heart, to be honest. I feel, I felt a lot of separation. I've moved around the world. I've, I've been called all sorts of things, n not offensive because I, I've known who I was and also n not offensive because 
I'm not in, I don't know, like I just, I think it's partly due to my, how my family raised me. Um, but yeah, I, I feel, I've felt, I've felt the minority all my life, really. Like when I was in England, I was the Aussie. Now I'm in Australia, I'm the English guy. Okay. Like, um, different, different things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all, it's all variables. Um, and I'm not trying to compare. It's just different shades of, of the same color apple. The but, only thing no. that you've got going against you right now is, I think is the conversation that we're all trying to have today is, are you listening to what she's saying though? She's not saying that you are wrong. What I actually can hear her saying is, can you acknowledge it? Acknowledge that, that I'm, that what? That you've got white privilege. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And can you acknowledge But, but that's what not my, I don't feel like that's my personal fault. But when you do that's that. That's the whole notion of privilege though, mate. You've done nothing to earn it. But if you know that it exists and you know that you benefit from it, and you want to do good in the world, then surely you have a responsibility to dismantle it and call it out, even if it's in yourself. Okay. And you're failing to do that right it's, now. Well, because I suppose when, it's when relative you, to my circle of When you say when friends. you don't, what it, what it does is creates that you disregard what the other view is. Okay. So maybe it's a lesson. It's, it's, to be honest, it's down to my experience. Yeah. I have equal a number of white, black, this Asian friends. This is so awesome. It's happening right now. Yeah, this is actually great. Yeah, and yeah. Hope, like... Yeah, I hope you, have you guys crucify me as good for the listeners. But I, f I feel like the the um from my experience, black I've seen more white poor people in my life than I've seen black poor people in my life. So I don't see it. I don't see it as a color thing. <laughs> I have. Why is that oh, funny? Because that's just my experience. No, it's just like I don't think we have to agree here. Yeah, Keep going. Neither of you. No, this is this is actually really good. Um, I think it's. Black people in Australia, we are the poorest people. I'm not saying you're not. I'm saying my it, personal experience, I, yeah. I've seen just as many white people that are poor, if not more. But white people globally have power. Absolutely, yeah. Capitalism. I'm not if you look it, at mate. like the 1% or whatever. So it's just, it's just really funny. Like there's a bit of a lull in saying that you've seen just as many poor white people when, like, if we look at the history, at least modern history, with who's been screwed over recently in terms of colonisation, the people, often the people who've done it have been white and its skin colour has played a role in that. Um, it's just, anyway, yeah, it's, it's very true. funny. There's a long, but then if we go past 10,000 years old, white people were screwed over. Like it, it's all. <sighs> okay, sure. <laughs> I don't know if it's irrelevant, but that's, that's the kind of perspective I like scaling out towards. Yeah. <sighs> what I'm hearing you, Jez, is you're saying that like. Maybe the question should be, can, is this true? Is that what he's saying rather than, anyway, keep going. I don't know. I think what you're trying to say is that, which again, like you have to acknowledge that so me, I'm a young white male. I was born in Australia in a middle-class family. Um, I'm also half Danish, which are other... Like whitest of the whites. I'm probably the whitest person <laughs> you'll ever meet. Like, I'm just going to do a joke, but it probably wouldn't be funny about being vanilla ice white. But anyway. Um, Why not? So it's like, I can never, I can never live from your perspective. No. I can not. never go in your shoes. I can, I, even as a female, I can never walk down the street... And know what it's like to be a female. Like I am currently wearing bike riding gear, and I will run topless. Well, I, I haven't done it yet, but I kind of want to do a Wim Hof, like the Ice Man, run topless in winter. 
Anyway, but I can do that. And I understand I have that privilege, but how do we act is what I'm hearing because I think what Jez is trying to say is that he... We all feel the pressure in our way. He doesn't... Oh, okay. I, look again. What do you? What do you like? Maybe the question should be more. What do you want from me? It just to acknowledge or understand. Great. That's, That's exactly a really good question. It. I. I feel like. Your view. This is actually a really good conversation, and I'm glad it's being recorded because, there are a lot of people in the world who feel like, they're definitely doing the right thing. And it's, you know, the whole colorblind thing and we should all be one and connected. But, and then when you're saying you feel oppression, I'm going to cry because I'm actually, and that's fine, capture, I don't care. I was watching a Four Corner report, Four Corners report the other week, where an Aboriginal woman died during her rape from stuff, injuries that occurred during her rape. And then when she she had no justice in her life, and then in her death she had no justice. That systemic failure rarely happens to white people. So when you say we all feel oppression, sure, I've no doubt that sometimes bad things happen to you, but it's not because you're white and it's not because you're a woman. And I think that's what I'm really struggling, that's what I'm struggling with. And often that people don't understand that. Yes, as an individual, you will cop shit in your life. Sometimes bad things happen to you as an individual. But in this country, it won't be because of your skin colour or your race or your sexuality. That's what I think I want you to acknowledge. And then we had another woman in WA a couple of years ago, Miss Drew, we can't say her name for cultural reasons. She was in prison for, I think, $3, a $3,000 fine to the state. She was, she had injuries sustained during family violence and died from septicemia in prison and people thought she was faking it and just thought she was a junkie or a liar. That shit doesn't happen to white people. So yeah, sure, you might feel shit, oppression, whatever you want to call it, but it is not systemic and it is not on the same scale. So please don't ever compare our, our oppressions. They are not the same. And I think that's what I'm really frustrated at right now. And it's good, you know, you're probably a lovely person, but this is not about individuals, this is about systems that keep people down. And, you know, it's beautiful hearing you speak like that. That's the uncomfortableness that I personally feel when I sit with people. And I could be maybe more so on your side, and that's why I kind of agree with it, but I used to work in a beautiful community called Robinvale. And I still do, you know. They took yeah. me in and I went up. And the reason I went up there was because there was youth Aboriginal suicide, left, right and centre. Like kids killing themselves because they are at the bottom rung of the ladder. There was 46 nationalities in this small little country town. But can you imagine how many that is? And they were bottom rung of the ladder, as in across the road, um, Aboriginal kids are coming, you know, the white settlers took over their land, destroyed their sacredness. And here's these Aboriginal community that I was allowed to come and have the privilege to work with their kids, you know, and still a little bit of a white saviour in myself as well, right? Let's be honest. But as I walked into this community, they taught me year after year after year, and I had fights, and I mean like serious fights with beautiful Aboriginal elders. And the thing I learnt the most, and I am being a person that's a bit of a fence sitter right now, but I'm also 
I know I'm placating the situation, but I'm also throwing out what I can see sometimes in racism that doesn't get spoken about is when you say I'm not racist or I am not, I'm, I'm, I'm not on that side, I don't do that stuff, what it does is disregard the other person's feelings. Mm. So is this a communication er error? I feel like this is I a wonderful so, yeah. conversation to be able to go, you know what, you're right. I hear you and I realise that every time I say those statements, I could be treating you badly and I didn't know that. You know, can you hear that? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I completely hear what you're saying. You being Jess. You that's being Jess. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like that's what I can sometimes hear when I sit with Aboriginal people or people from other countries. It's the anger is actually, wait, wait, wait. There is so much more to this conversation that you just put out there. And I think you nailed it. It's mm. systemic. It's so deeply entrenched in a, in a experience or in a culture that we wouldn't even know about. It's also like when you are the minority, and I think you might, you might get this as well. Um, like when you, every day you're forced to go into another world or that's often how it feels as a black person. So I know so much about white culture. I could do a thesis on white culture because I, I am forced to participate in it participate in it every single day and um, that's not your fault but we all benefit from that so I know so much about white culture because I had no say in that but the moment non-indigenous people are forced to interact on my terms or in a way where they're not the majority then people switch off or when they when they're confronted they switch off and like you did persevere but I'm sure there are moments when you you're like, oh, I want to get back out. But that's where that uncomfortable thing is as well. When you're used to having things go your way or your culture's way, white people do have a culture in Australia. Australia does have a culture. So if people are used to that all the time and then when they're confronted with something that isn't the same, then people are like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. See, I didn't even, I didn't even know that Birkenstocks were a white thing. Like I... Because it's it's a, a saying <laughs> from Marshall joke. McLuhan. I know that, but it's like <laughs> it was that idea that um, one thing a fish knows nothing humor is, is water. important at this point. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and it's like if you're in the environment, so if you think of a fish being in the environment of water, you like you're in that environment, so you don't know it until you pulled out of it. Mm. So this is what interesting for me, or um, There's so when I have I have great female friends that talk about what it's actually like being a female and I'll never know, but it's still so powerful listening to them being like, I acknowledge what you're saying. That's mm. fantastic because then I can sort of, again, I'm not saying that I know what it's like, but I can empathize with them and what they're saying they experience and not tell them that's wrong or right or anything, but it's like, that would suck, you know, not being able to express yourself fully just because you've been born into a different body to me. Um, Mm. That's it. Mm. How are you feeling, Jez? I'm good. Um, it's in, I think it's really helpful to, to talk about the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I didn't realise I'd be, f I'd be putting myself in that position, given how I feel in my heart about the situation. Um, but mm. I, but I completely understand. It. I think it's great, great. You I challenge it and um, really pick on the areas where I'm, where I'm, uh, I'm flawed in really being able to understand. I think my mentality is much more one of, um, um, uh, yeah, what, that wider scope. But I think I really want to understand 
and I completely disagree. I think I found my story or my reason I don't find I um, suit myself to one particular cause of pain because um, I find there's so much, so much pain and suffering also of all kinds, of all scales going on in the world, of all, all different locations, geographically, um, different types of people. And, and it's all terrible as much as t this is terrible in Australia. Um, and I find it hard to show empathy for every single one of them because empathy draws me into a place of wanting to do something about it. And if I have to do something about every single one of them, I, c I can't physically do it. Um, so that's what goes on for you. That's what goes on for me personally. So self-preservation, you can't empathize because of self-preservation right now. I can't empathize with absolutely the entirety of all the pain and suffering going on in the world because because yeah. to empathize with it all would give lead me to lead me to mental breakdown, which I've done a couple of times. Um so I need to pick my pick what I care about most like you've clearly done. Um and what what and and I f and I personally find it really hard to stay in a place of causing change in the world or cr trying to inspire change or uh, awaken people's hearts to find their responses to these things because it caught, you know, you need a certain amount of resistance and um, facade to keep pushing because it, it's hard. Um, and, and from all my travels and seeing different people that try to cause change in different areas in different ways, I find them, a lot of them really jaded and exhausted and miserable because they're, they're not... Um, there's a few that I find that are, that are, are tapping into this vein within inside themselves of et eternalness um, and peace, and they and they come from that place, um, and I and I find that that's more sustainable in their cause because their their fuel they're running off is um, is more one of love. I think, though, sure, absolutely, in activism, one of the you know, self-care is really important. Self-love is really important. But also, everyone who isn't Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander in Australia benefits from settler colonialism. So this isn't just about picking and choosing what to care about. It's that while you're on Boon country or wherever you might be, you're benefiting from settler colonialism. You're benefiting personally from white privilege. No, you didn't do anything to earn it, but you still benefit from it. So this isn't picking or choosing what to care about. This is knowledge of self, that you as an individual have that power. So it's not like not to lead, not to... Great distinction. It it's a great distinction. doesn't mean you have to go off and be like a fighter for all of the black causes. It just means you're aware of self, you as an individual. Like me, Nayuka, I'm, I'm aware that in some ways I'm very oppressed, but in other ways I also have privilege. So I know that and I use it to break shit down. So I think, yeah, anyway. Mm, mm. That's great. I think I can, I can take ownership and I'm convicted by what you say in the sense that I'm in Australia, I'm on this land, where did this land come from? And respecting and acknowledging that, I can take accountability for it because the way you phrase it then is like, uh, it's my duty to. Yeah, I love this. Does that does that um, resonate with you? Or like, is that enough? Why do you feel that it does? Because well, I, I, I just want to make me happy. You do not have to make me happy. This is about you as an individual. Yeah, I know. I, I'm happy to make yeah. that choice. I'm. You just to give, you gave me no body language to say that you even listened. Oh, sorry. I. Yeah. I'm cannot. Sometimes I'm just not very expressive. Okay. It perhaps is a coping mechanism. I'm not sure, but. 
it's interesting, like, you wanted something then and I didn't give it to you. So you're like, what are you thinking? Well, I, yeah. That's really Only because it's a two-way conversation. Yeah, so, I uh, just, yeah. I, it's really funny. I wrote down, um, like, as we we're writing notes, bef- like, when we were yarning before, I wrote down, <laughs> when you said guilt and shame, mm. I had a little com- arrow thing that said white fragility. Um, as black people, we're often, like, it's like we go really calloused like because we get so much crap whether it's a, or you know any marginalized group you get like yeah, yeah. tough just look at the kids As i used to women, work with who we are, were just constantly bashed down yeah literally physically emotionally um spiritually if they even they had that they get calloused you're right they, yeah. there's a there's a harder veneer um you're stronger you know you're just a bit more impenetrable t- and not so i guess the opposite would be sensitive open yeah, like, I'm yeah, with you. Definitely. And as black women, we're like, on one hand, like if we if we show emotion or if we're like fiery or whatever, we're like the angry black woman trope, um, which I bet I'm, I've no doubt that maybe some listeners are like, oh, she's just an angry black woman right now because I'm um, expressing whatever. Um, but the world forces us to become quite hard and calloused and like strong which that in itself is an awakening for some people it's like they're not disregarding you they're not even it's just trust issues yeah, yeah. i don't really trust you in this moment and i need to self-preservation so then when we are really tough um because we've grown up in a situation where we're forced to be tough then we're accused of not being like you know very open or like kind or respectful or whatever um you can't win yeah but so it's interesting i just yeah i just i I don't know why i wrote down white fragility but i think there's something in that i think vulnerability anything that makes you guilty or like we did a session the other day where Mm. i came in with a um a podcast of me crying bawling my eyes out on saturday night just one night um, because I'd got triggered by a conversation that really opened up a wound that I had as a young girl and as a 35-year-old woman. I still have it. But that vulnerability is fragile Mm. and that comes from me having shame in that conversation. So I would say the universal lesson that's almost appearing here that as a facilitator, let alone someone who loves having a vulnerable conversation, it is live in the studio, we're having the conversation of why it is fragile is because this shit's vulnerable Mm. and it is embedded in shame in very different facets, Mm. like white shame, white guilt, black guilt, black shame, like, you know, we can go through the colors of the rainbow here, but this universal shame or guilt is a touchy subject. But I actually love, like I have this comment, you know, you know me, right? Mm. I, I love saying yummy, yummy, right? Fucking good on you for speaking up and for you to have your defence there. I go, good, isn't it great that we can fight this out and then by the time we've had uh, a 20-minute conversation about it that went off this way and went off that way, that all of a sudden there is a little bit more empathy rather than sitting there and going, oh, I don't want to talk about this. That's what this conversation is about. Let's have the conversation and move through it. You want to talk about racism? No, we actually want to talk about empathy today. And so we have to do it in this moment. And you two do not have to agree with each other. 
but I love that you wouldn't even agree with each other. But maybe, just maybe in my little utopian little bubble over here that you just get a little bit of uh, understanding for each other. If mm. You know, that's what I like about watching what he's had in life. Mm. I'm on the fence about that because I... I you don't have to agree with me. Right? No, 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 not about that. I mean, in the sense that it's I kind of, I guess when you, it's so hard to say this in the way that I'm like, I feel like communication is such a shallow way of actually communicating, like language. So hard because. Colonizes language. It doesn't have uh, all the words. It, yeah. it doesn't. And um, English has failures. So it's like, I have this utopian idea that in a way um, we're all, if we didn't have Skin. It's it's kind of like, uh, it's trying to I think you say it. I just um, think you like the idea that Jez is saying, where he's talking about, and that way that maybe you can see people as the same thing, but then I also get that that's not what creates change, and it, it could be an apathetical way of living. Um, but what I get confused about is how do I act or behave or action yeah but it's not action it's like i want to live in a way that it's accordance and um compassionate towards um the people of minorities um but i honestly don't know like what is the right thing to do um i remember when i was talking to someone and i was talking about how like yeah i'm i'm a feminist like i believe in all the values that feminists talk about and might be in you actually and then it was um you like oh no, it's you're an ally, not a feminist. I just get confused. There's so much like um, label. Like yeah, it's just I want to act in a way that's compassionate to the most amount of people, um, but I also want to help create that change. So what is it someone wants to do? Because I what I see in you, Jez, is your intentions are right. You want to help people. It's not like a anti anyone, anti anyone. It's just I think a lot of it's confusion and lack of education. Is did that? resonate with anyone there are so many things that you could here's my re <sighs> reframe on what you said thank you i got a bit you tiptoe around and step on eggshells what the fuck do i have to say to people oh. like you know like what do i have to say what's the action how do i how do i be respectful to the indigenous woman that's sitting before you not just indigenous just any minority exactly which brings me to the universal thing again is this about injustice is this about racism or is you know how do you have empathy or be the most respectful to people in the moment that's what i hear yeah is that true yeah. how do you how do you do that i think everyone's different mm. can't sit with you like i've got an indigenous friend doesn't even want to know her culture like at all to have this conversation with her she'd be like to totally disregard and there's a whole other book about that yeah. right yeah you know um and i'm completely with jez too that you go well there are things if, if we keep focusing on what's wrong, isn't that gonna in in enlarge it? Isn't isn't that gonna make it our focus? So I don't know. I think that it's you can only the action is for me. Every person's an individual, so have some respect and ask them what do you need right now. Mm. There isn't one size fits all because there's long mm. streams of feminism that say men are wrong all in general. And then on the other end of the scale is let's just have equality that acknowledges both males and mm. females. Mm. Yeah, I love. I'm on a soapbox now. No, that's good. I and I absolutely love you. Like I don't, I don't feel 
anything that I say, my action, I feel my intention. Again, I come back to my trust and my intention. I tr- like I, I'm, un- I'm uneducated in the sense and I've, my, the reasons for my behavior and accumulation of my experiences and whatnot. Which is beautiful, right? But yeah, yeah. I think my, my conviction I'm taking out of this is just like a continual openness to um, every individual and their story. And, and for me, that's what compassion is, is to be um, open for you don't know the story because we're all suffering. We're all fighting a giant battle inside us, whoever said that. Um, me just then, no, not some dude before me, but um, <laughs> not Einstein. Yeah, and just um, say Einstein. so I think that's just being open to that, and because in a way, my dogma of union—that's a—that's almost a dogmatic thinking I've created in myself of unifying the world um, through love, because I truly believe we are all the same down deep down, and we all bore down to the same building blocks. Um, but that becomes a bit of a dogmatic thinking in me, which limits me in conversations like this. I think yeah. because. Um, because it put up a bit of a wall or made me think, but what about this? But what about this? Which is fine because I think that helps us deconstruct where we're both coming from, which Absolutely. is wonderful. I think, um, I think, yeah, I agree. Every situation's different and everyone feels their oppression differently. The way, like my experience as a black woman in Australia is very different to say someone living in, Swan Hill or Mildura to Brisbane to Broome to Kunnamulla, like everyone's got a different experience. But I think, um, I actually think getting used to feeling uncomfortable is one of the biggest, best things I think people can do. Mm. Like, st- walk so into cool. it, like, step into it because, like, even if you get a glimpse of feeling uncomfortable, then you know you know how black people feel every single day stepping into white spaces, which is most of the world in this country. So like even, and that I think helps people to empathize. So even if you have a glimpse of what that might feel like, where you're not the, where your voice isn't the dominant voice or where your culture isn't reflected back at you all the time. Also, um, I think like critical reflection, I think is really good. Um, And also I think just doing your own research as well. Like if you've got enough time, there are so many good resources out there. Like things like Everyday Feminism are really good. They've got like touching your stuff a lot um, that relate to class, race, gender, sexuality. Um, Like if you've got enough time to Google like where you want to go on holiday or whatever or... Mm, Good point. um, Then you've got enough time to find the right resources. yeah, but I think the biggest, the best thing people can do is getting used to feeling uncomfortable and then, because I think that's where people learn and that's the issue I kind of have with a few of them, like things like reconciliation, they don't allow people, white people to feel uncomfortable. They kind of like, yeah, you know, be friends with black people, but it's never like, actually, what, how did I come to be here? what had to happen mm. in order for me to own this house, to go to this school. Um, I, re- I found out today the, the most recent massacre from non-Indigenous people to who Indigenous people as the victims was in the 20s. So like 1920s, we were still the Australian, Australian people were killing Aboriginal people. Um, and like 
we sh- that should feel weird. We still talk about Anzac Day like we have the Anzacs, and yet later than the Anzacs, we're still killing black people, massacring black people, and we're like, yeah. Mm. Anyway, that was a mm. tangent, but... No, not a tangent. It's on point. That's good. It's great. I mean, the, the disappointing thing about mainstream media is that it doesn't curate the most universal of truths across our history, and that's a shame. So, yeah, I think doing your own research is great. But for another thing I l- just want to highlight out of what I t- take away of this conversation and want to encourage other people to do is I suppose that it is risky to go there, um, like have these kind of risky conversations or be more vulnerable and... Um, because it's uncomfortable but a like it's I feel like it needs to be done with a certain amount of softness and open-earedness because otherwise it's going to be fight and and what you're kind of looking for is coming together or really listening to each other which is um which we don't do naturally we naturally fight or put up our defenses I feel myself doing it I feel myself starting to form attachments to my ideologies as we're having the conversation. <laughs> but to, to, I think the thing that helped me w- during that little <laughs> back and forth was when Em was like, um, just pointing out w- that you, d- we just want to be listened to. And I was like, all right, so, uh, you know, like point, basically putting your focus on the other person instead of yourself really is, is the, probably the most effective way to have a legitimate conversation. <laughs> it's definitely a great starting point. I mm. just, in my uncomfortability, the, the issue that can happen, though, like, where do you draw a line? How much do you expect from the, the, the person you're talking to? If that person is oppressed, and systemically, if you're talking to an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person, as a black woman, yes, I'm doing well, but on paper, I'm one of the most vulnerable people in the country because I'm black and a woman. How much do you expect from that person to guide you through that uncomfortability and that's what I'm really interested in like yes let's be open but also should you be surprised if the per- the other person isn't open if I'm talking to a refugee or an asylum seeker how open do I expect them to be like not very yeah. actually and it's not if I was talking to them because I acknowledge that I've privilege in that sense if I was talking to them would I expect them they're like explain it to me again properly Ex- you know help 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 me to understand where you're coming from I just think like I feel like I'm asking too much of a person well, they and might maybe not know how. but may and then maybe what's my responsibility <coughs> then like yes be open but i I just would find it incredibly cheeky if I was talking to a refugee person person with a refugee background or an asylum seeker, to be like, I just don't think you're being very open right now. I don't think you're helping me to understand. Um, so open, yes, but also if that person is not open, then like that's – you need to sit in that because there's a reason why they're not open. Mm. Um, mm. Really good point. Yeah, spot on. Because in then you're trying to get the other person to make you feel comfortable yeah. when you're uncomfortable mm. and mm-hmm. they're not going to make yeah. you feel that, which yeah. is – I mean, that's 101 f- of communication with people, let alone adding in yeah. oppression and privilege too. And for me, I, I mean, the rule book, if there was to be any, for yeah, me... Yeah, spot I've, on I've, I've, Thank I've, you. It's a great distinction because I've, I bet for, for me, the rule book is just um, what your heart... Like the most universal amount of people I've asked for advice on this, anything is just like come back to what your heart feels. 
And I feel like that's, if you're going to have any compass, it's just inside you and it will always be there because it won't necessarily always be on the external world. I'm um, interested in um, coming back uh, before we finish to something that you said before that was really, really interesting about the treaty, about reconciliation, even recently it was uh, Sorry Day. Mm. Can I read you something? Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm kind of up for being wrong too, so I want you to almost uh, give me your view of it, of where I did go wrong or just even give me your take on it. So this is coming from probably, oh, look, I'll just read it and you can make your own decision. Let's not psychoanalyse myself because I don't even know what goes on in me some days. <laughs> so I... Um, I told you before that I worked up in Robinvale for years and, you know, it's been awesome, right? Uh, all the young kids that I work with are now running the town and looking after their other, um, you know, cousins through to the elders and running their own programs and stuff. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to be a part of just a community who's helping each other, right? Besides being focused on the Indigenous. But I'm even more proud that it is the community helping each other when there wasn't there. So it's a really lovely program to be a part of. But um, I wrote this in some kind of little moment of being pissed off about everything and it caused quite a stir on Facebook. But I'm glad I did it, but I'm not sure why. So I'm kind of asking your view on what you think of it, let alone all of us. So today is supposed to be hashtag sorry day. You know what? How's fuck off sound? Yep, get fucked. This was like 11 o'clock at night and I was on some kind of rant. Fuck you to the government to the 1788 genocide, to the 200-plus-year marathon murder-killing spree of Indigenous people and raping them blindly of this land we proudly call home. I'm actually pulling a face now because I'm like, is that what I meant? Then to all the families who knew no better and idly stood by, mine included, I'm Australian, white Australian, we came off the first fleet, but I'm also Polynesian and I'm a fucking boat person, so don't even get me started on that. My dad literally jumped off a ship and he got more respect than some of the stories I heard him tell me of his Aboriginal friends that he had. Fuck you to the racist jerks. And don't even get me started on the stolen generation for what this day is supposed to be about and the intergenerational shame I've seen firsthand that continues across communities. So I can't say sorry to the traditional owners of this land on behalf of our government. I can't say sorry for our history, for my part in it. And you know why? I don't need to say sorry, don't you? Because Aboriginal, Indigenous, Koori people, whatever they intend to call themselves, are proud of their culture. They, the strong connection to their ancestry and their land, they stand in the integrity of their own true power. It's called honour to some. I don't need to say sorry on behalf of the government now, do I? Instead, I'll say, I see you, I admire you, and I love you. Now, why are you thinking about it? hundreds of people liked, hundreds and hundreds, and most of our life is spent by, how many likes did I get? How many views did I get? But this engaging was engaging with my content. Who's engaging with my content? There was like over 400 or something. And then, of course, there was this beautiful man that I happened to randomly Facebook because I saw something that he did, and, and he was a racist jerk and went on a major tirade. And so everybody who on my Facebook started to jump in, all my Indigenous friends, because I tagged them all too, of course. <laughs> Right, and then um, uh, all of the people that I've worked in communities with, and you know, I was on my little woo. Let's get everyone involved, and here's how I feel, and I just want you to know I love you and I acknowledge you. 
but there is this fucking cool conversation, which is why I wanted to have this conversation today, where people came to the defence and they had the argument and your voices were being heard. But there was this one girl who said, I couldn't, I'm sorry for the tirade I created, but I couldn't, and because it was like constant, everyone fighting back and forth, as she called it. But I couldn't stand by with the education I've had and listen to him speak. Because the standard that we walk by is the standard we set. And I was like, all right, I'm glad I did it, but I'm really interested in your view of it. And when it comes to a treaty, what do we need to know? Um, Shall I wait for old Matt to answer? Yeah, sorry days, it's like a real summer day for us. Um, And I'm really glad... Anger is one of my most favourite emotions ever. People (laughs) think it's a bad thing, but when we're doing activism and we're learning to communicate, um, anger is an emotion that moves people to action. So I'm really glad that you utilised that and that you felt that. Um, Like, it's important to have a day. So a lot of people think the apology is that day. The apology was just, not just, but the day that Kevin Rudd apologised and that's why we mark that day nationally because it's the anniversary of an important moment in Parliament. But Sorry Day was the the day. Actually, it marks another day in Parliament. I think it was the tabling of the Bringing Them Home report. Um, and anger is what a lot of people feel also on that day because we still, we have more black children out of home than we did when stolen generations were official government policies. We have more black children in out-of-home care than ever before, any moment in history. We have something like, I'm not sure, it's somewhere between 15,000 and 17,000 black kids out of home um, in the care of the state. So we should be angry. We really, really should be angry. That's the correct emotion to feel. Um, Is it? Just to question that one, not question it, but like, no, I, I feel like with, with my own experience of anger, I always feel like it's the the deeper level to it is always, always hurt for me personally. Like I feel pain or, or I feel hurt or sad. Um, I'm not necessarily saying expressing that would be a more effective catalyst to change because I feel like anger does, is like the tipping point and it does tip people over and hurt evokes more of a compassionate response but I'm curious about how you feel about the difference between expressing hurt and um, anger I'm, I'm not sure what you're after um. well like if, if Em had expressed that same post in a way that's more like uh, it, it saddens me it makes me it hurts me um the, uh, spo- uh, okay, like the, what the different response what, what the di- Like, I'm not necessarily saying absolute mm. not one's right or wrong. I'm yeah, just talking no, just personally from my experience. Yeah. The underlying emotion is always pain or hurt. So you're just making a statement that underneath there is... Uh, yeah, I think so. And also, like, just questioning what is the most effective way, fuel, to change our world. Like, for me, I, 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 don't, I, I don't use the fuel of anger to make change. Okay, okay, sure. Um... So there's a few, there's a range of emotions you use. You wouldn't just use anger if you're communicating, um, if you're trying to move someone to action. You wouldn't just 
end on anger. People also, so there are feelings that, that kind of make us not do anything. Um, and then there are feelings that move us to, ac to action. So one feeling, for example, is apathy. So to shift people out of apathy, um, sometimes we need to use anger. To shift people from hopelessness, we also need to employ hope. You know, there is hope we can do something about this. So I'm not saying just use anger. I'm just saying anger snaps people out of what they're feeling. It, it moves them to action. But they also, and it's not the role, that it's not the role you necessarily, you weren't saying, hey, go do this thing. You were just saying, I'm pissed off. Mm. So if you're, if you decide to take it upon yourself to move someone to action, yes, use anger, but also hope and other positive emotions. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was the yeah, point you were trying it. to make. Yeah. But I'm just curious to have a good discussion about it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But anger is something that can move people because what's the opposite? Like, or not the opposite, but like, what does it take to shift someone out of apathy or to shift someone out of sadness? How do you move someone from sadness to action? Um, and sometimes you need to feel anger to do that. Oh, mate, I'm all about anger. I think it's, I don't think it's a dirty word. I think if, when it's violence, that's a different form of anger. I, I really love mm. watching people get angry because I'm like, yeah. But I grew up with that too. Mm. Anger was part of Polynesian upbringing and I realised maybe my brothers were... Um, uh, almost vilified for their anger and that was the way that they they spoke first they were angry first and then they would hit their hurt mm. so I think sometimes it is a cultural difference it too it is yeah in but our also family like, don't expect don't expect people to respond like really pretty in their oppression mm. like sometimes you need to feel anger mm. you, and you should feel anger you should feel That's angry true. that there are thousands of black kids not where they should be that should make people angry yeah. and it should move people to action. That's, no, that's absolutely true. I think my association of anger comes from growing up in England and mm. it results in violence yeah. every time. Um, and I don't like that. But, but I, really I, cool mm, questions though, right? Yeah, great it's questions. Like, I need to know when you say use anger, what is that in everything? Mm. It's like I'm not well, saying kick the shit out of someone. No. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> harness that anger. No, I feel like that. Feel it. Yeah. You should feel something. Mm. It, should, mm. it shouldn't sit well with you. The injustice. Yeah, yeah I, I, feel, I can relate to that in terms of depression. Like I feel like the number one cause of any death in this country is male suicide. That's right, right, yeah. right. And so the, the thing that's killing off humans... Oh, no, it's between for males, 18, 45. Yeah, not the it's whole country. Not the whole country. Like, okay. Yeah. And Cancer it's a large would be the... Cancer, yeah. yeah. But for me, that, that truth coupled with going through it myself and seeing other people going through it in silence makes me feel angry towards the system that caused that. I suppose, in a, in a, in a way, yeah. that's, that's comparison. Actually, I think that's really healthy for you mm. to compare that. Mm. You know, it's not in the same vein, but it is for you to have empathy. A similar process. It. Patriarchy should piss people off too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a part of <laughs> the patriarchy. It is part of good one. Yeah. One, of my, one of my friends, Maddie, um, she's a very... Shout out to Maddie. Shout out to Maddie. <laughs> um, she's a really cool chick. Hey, and, and she was saying that. She's like, look, men, you guys will benefit from feminist ideas. It's like... It's not healthy for you guys to not be able to live up to this stupid standard of what masculine is. And this is me talking from like, I'm a very feminine male, but it's like <laughs> in terms of just Why like. Why is that funny? Because I am too, and I love people that identify. <laughs> okay. like, yeah, like okay, I'm. Okay, that's funny. Like, because <laughs> I, I, I come from, um, I played footy for 17 years, and I could, like, that's what my biggest cause anxiety was, was I could never live up to the standard of being someone 
like physically that I couldn't genetically physically be. And yet that was a measure of my masculinity or manhood. And yet now I'm someone that can express my emotions and I feel the healthiest I've ever been. Whereas back then I felt like, you know, you can't ever, um, let anything out. It's, and it's speaking of segues. Um, so in the same way that patriarchy hurts men, it also very much hurts women. Oh, Just yesterday we had an Aboriginal woman die from family violence. So I'm angry. Um, so in the same way that men are hurt by ideas of modern masculinity and hypermasculinity, I feel that race relations, and this is a segue, um, in terms of a treaty, in the way that I feel like a treaty is such a good place to start, a treaty that gives Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people self-determination, but also like for non-Indigenous people to finally have that, mm. like, that moment where it's like I, the space to actually feel like there's some acknowledgement or permission almost. Never in, throughout history have black people given permission and that would be the moment. So in the same way that we can dismantle patriarchy, dismantling patriarchy can benefit men, a treaty, not that we should do a treaty just to make white people feel better, we should do it for our own self-determination, but white people will benefit. Um, the whole country benefits. Can I ask, because just for those who don't understand treaty, what, what's the, what would happen? What's the opposite? Like, is it, what could happen? We have a treaty or vote for what? Um, so currently... Yeah. Um, we're the only Commonwealth country without a treaty. And I think we would be the only Commonwealth country that ent- enters into treaty discussions um, after 1788 or, yeah, or something, something like that. So it's a huge deal. Um, at the moment, so what a treaty is, um, might take it back because I'm assuming knowledge amongst viewers if I just jump to the, yeah, yeah. To the end. Um, Again, explain it like eight-year-olds. Yeah, right. so... It's an agreement between, say, two parties or two people or whoever it might be. In this case, it's between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It could be done nation to nation, state to state, whole country. We're looking at it at the moment. Um, It's an agreement between one party um, and another party, basically. It's when you agree to something. And in this case, we're agreeing to... um, We'll we'll have particular powers and non-Indigenous people will have particular powers and there's also, like, how do we want to live together, essentially, and what do we get out of it? How do we get self-determination out of that? Um, Yeah, and I feel like it's a real moment as a country when we can come together and actually be uncomfortable. It'll be uncomfortable because some people will be forced to give stuff up. People are so supportive of causes or issues insofar as they don't have to give anything up and in this case it might mean giving something up um i'm not sure i don't know what the details are yet but there is a view of mm. the word sacrifice if I, I really like it if you break down sacrifice it's give up one thing for something greater mm. so sometimes i think yeah mm. there's a lot of people who are going to lose out but i think for the majority i would always hope that they would see the sacrifice is for something greater like if, if i could see it i mean we can see which side I vote for already, right? I would love to wake up in the future and be like, in my day, kiddies, there was no treaty and that my kids or my 
cousins or who, you know, little kids that I'd be looking after, even if I didn't have kids. That's another story for another time. And be proud of that to say, you know, once upon a time there was no gay marriage. We'll get to that in this country. You know, once upon a time women couldn't vote. And I, I just think that um, I, w- I would like to be- believe that this is going to happen in my lifetime. Mm. I really do. I think it will. Absolutely. At least in Victoria. We are. Cool. Yeah. So just last week. Um, this is exciting. Yeah. Last week, the state government held um, a forum, a two-day forum on self-determination, treaty and constitutional recognition. And it had been um, doing forums in other parts of the state as well. The Labor government in Victoria is committed to a treaty. Um, so what that looks like, we're not really sure that's what we're talking about, but that's freaking huge. And for huge. states and territories across the country, they are looking, they're watching us. Yeah. Um, I think it is, it is a moment when we can feel uncomfortable, but get through it. I love that. Um, it is about being uncomfortable. Mm. And for me, as long as it's about self-determination. Um, can you define that just quickly for us? So the way I like to talk about self-determination is black people because never throughout history have we given up our sovereignty we've never said we're going to be Australian we've never said you can live here and so we're still in a political sense quite separate like in many ways we're forced to exist and interact with with Australia in the sense in the political sense that it is now but never have we consented to that it's kind of we've just been living on and we've been going through the generations but we've never had a moment to say this is what we want um so self-determination is about black people in charge of black things so it's being able to determine your own stuff um and in some ways we have that we've got community controlled organizations that do great great work but in other ways we definitely don't have it and a treaty can be a mechanism for that the issue I have with constitutional recognition is that it's not a mechanism for self-determination. Um, yeah. Which I love. Mm. Have you seen treaties work around the world? Oh, look, they're not perfect. I'm the first of to course. say they're not perfect. Um, but One that may be a little bit... Yep. is a good example. It wasn't until the 70s, late 70s, Is that in New Zealand? 80s, yeah. Um, so Aotearoa is the uh, Maori name for New Zealand. Um it wasn't until the 70s or 80s. So they had the Treaty of Waitangi for, um, I think, since the 18, early 1800s, maybe 1830, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, so that treaty, the two, trans- the English translation and the Māori translation meant different things. So they got screwed over. However, um, in the 70s and 80s, young Māori activists um, harnessing their anger, um, like, this isn't good enough. You know, we, we actually want to get something out of this treaty. There have been so many breaches, so they started to fight for it. And then, it, yeah, it wasn't until, I think, the early 80s that that treaty was given teeth. So it was set out in legislation um, that, you know, through whatever mechanisms that the state had to uphold it and that there would be, there would be actual consequences for breaches. So a tribunal was set up. Um, yeah, so it can have real practical implications. They're definitely not perfect, um, but it, it, it is a mechanism for us as sovereign Indigenous peoples to interact with the state in a way that gives us power. That's right. And, you know, if you think about the New Zealand culture, the Māori culture, I don't know about you, but it has a little bit more respect. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes that that's a pretty 
out the thing to say, but it has a treaty. And I think the treaty integrating that across all government, school. They like Maori representation. They have their own, like a certain legislation says that a certain amount of television and radio and media has to be Maori owned and by Maori people. Um, we have nothing like that here. And it's why we've yet only just now have a black person on Neighbours. Um, <laughs> That's the height and of culture. We've <laughs> won. We've won. Is that all right? Yeah, you can all rest now, guys. We've got there's a there's a real life Aborigine on neighbours. We can all rest easy. It's okay. Everyone Equality. is still wearing their Birkenstocks. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, awesome. That's great. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for having the bravery to be on the front line in 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 this manner, and um and I hope that your soul keeps flourishing. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I um, I love this conversation. Do I have to say it a thousand times? I think it is so tough and so uncomfortable. And my God, do I think that's where creativity and real truth is born in that space and because it teaches us. So I just think this is exactly what goes on in the world, what just happened here. And I'm just glad that we're ending this session on literally empathy and hearing about what are the next steps, how can we be more aware or to a culture that is asking us to because we hold the vote. And so what can we do is vote for the treaty is one of the questions, one of the actions I think you can take from this today. So I'm not sure if people will be able to vote on the treaty, oh. but create the political will. Thank create, you. Create the political environment where it is the only option for parties because you know, we'll be pissed off otherwise. So it's about creating, making that the See, right choice. even that, I still don't even know. So constitutional yep. recognition, we would need to vote because yeah. we're changing the constitution, which requires a referendum. Yep. Um, that's why we have referendums to change the constitution or right. to, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's required with a treaty. So it's actually like potentially a lot easier and cheaper at this stage for states to do potentially. Um, but it's about making that the right choice and the only choice for politicians. I think it's the conversation though, right? This is why I loved your article that I saw on Vice, which we'll link everyone to. The link from ABC Radio is you just represent um, somebody who's going out there and getting angry, but using it to awaken people, you mm. know? And political stance, we might not be able to vote, but if it's at the forefront of our minds, right? What's this treaty thing? Do you know much more about this treaty? I think about our audience can go have conversations about it. Do you know much about the treaty? And you'd be surprised how many people will roll this conversation out and that is enough sometimes too. Yeah, if you're not if you're listening and you're not in Victoria, talk to your local federal MP or your state MP and ask why your state hasn't started at treaty discussions yet. Cuz it'll help a lot of people. Mm. Cool. I just quickly like to say that Einstein did not say that quote, <laughs> although there's heaps of images with it dubbed over his name. Who was it? Apparently Feynman, but that could be wrong too. <laughs> so we'll just say that no one said that quote. Someone said, you claim it, mate. No one I said it. it. You can do a picture it of me. It definitely is in a Kurt Vonnegut book. It might, I don't know if it's Cat's Cradle or Canary in a Cat House. Cool. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> Done. Thank you so much for coming in. You know, it's a really bloody wonderful conversation if you'd like to find out more go to www.collectivepotential.com.au we'll have the podcast and all the links um, to watch this beautiful woman flourish to being one of i think australia's 
most prominent Indigenous leaders, but also surrounding herself with people that support her to do that. So we're mm. with you. Thank you, Queenslander. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>